Welcome to episode 81 of the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast, Masters Edition. We are 54 holes through the Masters, only 18 more to go before we crown a green jacket winner. My name is Lucas Weiss, host of the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast, and to break down the third round that we just saw of the Masters, I've brought on Eric Patterson. He is the golf editor at The Score. Eric, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really, uh, I was kind of hoping we'd have a little, little tighter of a leaderboard to talk about, but right now it's a one-man show, but uh, hey, anything can happen in 18 holes at Augusta. Uh, absolutely, and, and I don't know about you, Eric, but I, when I first, uh, you know, sat on my couch getting ready to, to really take in the, the hours of Masters content this afternoon, at one point today, it was a nine-way tie for first at nine under par, and then Dustin Johnson just dominated and uh, yeah. but it, it was quite, uh, we thought we we're going to have that cluttered leaderboard, but now it, it was quite uh, the tour de force that we saw. Yeah, I guess that when it was nine ways, I think DJ was sitting on the middle of the fairway on number two, and he said enough of this. He put a 221-yard approach shot to three feet, rolled in the eagle, and uh, kind of blew away the competition from there. It was uh, another clinical display by DJ, his second 65 of the week, I believe, only a handful of players have ever done that, and yeah, it matches the 54-hole scoring record, a four-shot lead, but this is Dustin Johnson. He's been here before, and uh, we know how that's gone. Um, he, he didn't close the 54-hole lead at the PGA Championship, so uh, it's not over yet, but it does certainly look uh, like DJ is going to be sliding on the green jacket. As you said, Dustin Johnson shooting a 765 in the third round. This was his uh, second 65 of the week. And he ties Jordan Spieth with uh, the lowest 54-hole score at the Masters um, in Masters history. And anyone that shot 14-under or better after 54 holes, all, all of them have gone on to win uh, the Green Jackets. So, so definitely a good position for DJ. But I don't know about you, Eric, but it, you know that start, obviously, I mean, you mentioned that great shot at two to get the eagle. He then rattles off a few more birdies on the front nine. But... It just felt so mechanical to me. It felt, you know, at, at times like it was just, you know, the normal stress-free Dustin Johnson, like it was like a, you know, a practice round. Meanwhile, everyone else on the golf course around him was, you know, firing bogeys, making mistakes. It was Dustin Johnson who, to me, played a real mistake-free round of golf. I mean, there's, I don't think there's anyone in the game today that can make golf look as easy as DJ makes it look. We saw it as recently as the uh, it was the Northern Trust in the playoffs. He, he won by a, a handful. Um, he just has his way about him. He can just saunter his way around the course. And with you know without much effort, it seems like he's posting something in the middle of 60s. And um, the only question about his game coming into this was a bit of form, but he proved that he was playing well la uh, last week at the Houston Open. So... It's almost expected that he should be at the top of the leaderboard. It's a little disappointing at the same time that there aren't more players within, uh, you know, one or two shots of the lead. But uh, DJ, like, you can't say enough good things about him. He's just he's the number one player in the world for a reason, and he's proving exactly why um, through three days so far. Well, it's interesting because, as you said, he came into the Masters with a bit of questions. Obviously, he had tested positive for COVID nineteen, which which knocked him out of the game for a bit. And I think that the golf world was just obsessed with Bryson DeChambeau, rightfully so, after what we saw at the U.S. Open. And 
didn't really give DJ much of a chance. And I think DJ sort of took that and said, you know what? I'm still here. I'm still world number one, the player of the year in 2020, given that he just won the FedEx Cup. And it's not just the driving, I think, Eric. Like, that reminds me, similar to what Jack Nicklaus used to do in terms of, you know, consistency and whatnot. But I think his short game as well has been very accurate. And, and certainly, he's certainly one of the leaders at this Masters in proximity to the hole. And that just makes life a lot easier for you, especially at a course like Augusta National, where it's a second-shot course and you have to make sure that your iron game is strong. I mean, yeah, there's... DJ has... Early in his career, he had, he had some weaknesses in his game with his short game and putting, but right now he's as complete of a player as you can find. Um, the way he's putting it, too, like... I mean, him and his brother, they do take their times on the green to read putts, but uh, you can't argue with the results. He seems to be able to find... He, he rolled in a 38-footer. I think it was on number four today. It was just like, dude, dude like, slow down. We're, <laughs> we still, we want to make this close, but, like, he, he... When he gets hot like this, it doesn't look like he's playing that well, but, I mean, um, it's so methodical and so easy. And, yeah, like you said, it's just everything's firing, everything's working, and that's why he has a four-shot lead. It's just uh, all-around impressive. We did, though, see Dustin Johnson have a lead at a major championship after 54 holes, as you said, at the PGA Championship this year. It was a three-shot lead. He did not end up winning that PGA Championship. In fact, Eric, Dustin Johnson, whenever he's had a 54-hole lead, has not won a major championship. So I guess like that that's certainly one of the question marks going into tomorrow. I mean, obviously, a four-shot lead is sizable, but... I mean, look, at the 2016 U.S. Open, when which Dustin Johnson won, Shane Lowry had a four-shot lead. Now, I know it's Shane Lowry. He hadn't won the Open Championship yet, but a four-shot lead can be overcome. So, I guess, is it just the same for Dustin Johnson? Do the same thing as today or just play up to that sort of potential and he's going to get this thing done? I know. It's crazy to think about like the quality of player that DJ is and the fact that he does have these like negatives working against him as he sits on a four shot lead like we think back to the 2010 u.s open we when he he broke down um in the final round uh the 2018 u.s open i believe he had the 54 hole lead that kepka um came back and won so it, it he does have an extensive history of these blow-ups and you just don't really think of that from a 23 time pga tour winner so this guy knows how to win. He knows how to win maybe better than anyone in, in golf today other than maybe a Tiger. But I like of his ilk, of his uh, generation of players, he's one of the most prolific winners there is. And it's just, it's it's shocking that he only has one major win. Um, it just, it doesn't seem unlikely that he's going to finish uh, his career with, with just one. So I, you expect him to get over the hurdle eventually. And this is probably the time it's going to happen. But I mean, he, he just... Something has to click for him tomorrow. Even if he shoots like four under, which is a you know a mediocre round for him at this point, it seems like he's he should be okay. Absolutely, and I mean it just goes to show you how hard it it is to win not just any major, but your second major. I mean, I think one you know you can win your major, your first major, a bunch of different ways, and DJ certainly did that at a tough course like Oakmont in 2016, but. I think when you win your second major, Eric, you're then entered into this category where, okay, you're one of the best in the game. And DJ has been regarded as that given his performance on the PGA Tour in recent years. 
But that's been the big question mark like we've talked about. Just, you know, what is it about the majors that just isn't up to par? And, and, and again, it is hard to win major championships. And certainly we've seen Brooks Kepka dominate the last few years. But DJ's certainly better than, than one major. But uh, you have to earn it. And I think if you were to win tomorrow, I mean, to win the Masters and to be in that such rare company of Masters champions would certainly enhance his already Hall of Fame legacy. Yeah, like, uh, I was just thinking back of the DJs at the PGA when he had a three-shot lead. He didn't really lose it. He still shot under par in that final round, mm-hmm. but Morikawa just came out and beat him. So, mm-hmm. like, you can't really, you know, blame DJ for a, a lack of effort on Sunday. But, I mean, if, if, if we're sitting at the same time tomorrow night and DJ doesn't somehow have the green jacket on, then, like there's going to be red flags being raised all over the place because at this point it's just there's obviously something between the ears that doesn't work for him because he could you know he could zone out and shoot 70 68 around augusta it doesn't seem like with any issue but um maybe no fans helps him i'm not sure maybe it doesn't quite feel like a a typical master sunday i'm not sure what would uh you know what would spur him on to have a have a slow uh, Sunday, but it, and if, I mean, you look at the list of chasers. Like, no offense to these guys, but mm-hmm. Fung J M, Abraham Answer, Cameron Smith are the next closest competitors. Dylan Fratelli, even five back. Um, no major wins uh, between any of these guys. Uh, maybe two PGA Tour wins for my count off. Three three PGA Tour wins <laughs> from these guys. So, just not like a long list of notorious winners that could probably come back and beat them. Um, it stinks that DJ or that JT slipped to ten under, but uh, I was hoping he was going to make a little bit of noise. But it just DJ versus these top guys, it just it seems too easy at this point. Let's chat a bit about the disappointments because I think again, I mean, as we were going into today, I think we wanted you know a closer leaderboard, and and, and the two guys I think that are obvious to point out to me are JT and John Rom, and I think even John Rom a little bit more because I mean he started. Obviously, he had to finish his second round earlier Saturday morning. And he had whole, I mean, he had birdie holes left. And, and I thought going in, okay, he's probably going to have a one or two shot lead heading into the third round. Instead, he finishes at nine under, doesn't take advantage. And then really his round blows up at the eighth hole where he, he did a shot that many recreational golfers can relate to not finding airborne on that second shot and just sort of let his round astray. Then JT, he hung in there, but then just a few loose swings down the stretch sort of, you know, knocked him. He met a contention. So for those two guys, the world, number two and number three, respectively, who were sort of the, the main chasers of DJ, certainly fell off the, the, the map as we head into tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's for golf fans, I mean, everyone was talking about how the top three ranked players in the world all held a share of the lead going into uh, round three, and you would expect that at least two of those guys would maybe make up uh, the final pairing or be in the final group on Sunday. And it, it, it does, it sucks kind of to see that. I mean, John Rahm's that, I don't know what that shot was on eight, but I, I, I could pull that off. No problem. If he takes me <laughs> third round. So that's, uh, that's disappointing to see him make a, make a double boogie there on a part five. And then, yeah, he, he definitely didn't um, build on that moving forward. He couldn't really recover. And JT, uh, geez, like, he there's a legit you can make an argument he should be at 15 under right now mm-hmm. he gave away shots um 
shots on the on the closing few holes, a uh, number of unforced errors, um, and it just uh, yeah, it's tough to see. The, but these guys haven't been there before. For as as good and as young as JT and and Rom are, um, I don't believe JT's he's never finished in the top ten at Augusta, so there's no way he would have ever played in the final group at the Masters. And Rom, um, you know, he's he's had some decent success in majors, but. Uh, he's never really contended. Like he might have snuck up. I think it was the 2019 U.S. Open. He kind of snuck in there late, but it was really a Woodland Kepka show. Um, so Rom's almost getting his first taste of like that real major championship pressure. Playing alongside DJ in the second to last group, it's just it's a lot, but uh, it's obviously a learning experience. They might be able to muster up some sort of rally tomorrow, but um, I was just wishing they were going to be, you know within at least two or three shots of DJ, but it's just not uh, not quite the case. Well, I think it was, I think I saw Alan Shipnuck tweet just during the Masters third round that, you know, when, when all these golfers are making the mistakes, you know, the JT bogeys, Patrick Reed was in it for some time today. He made some mistakes, of course, John Rahm. They're making the mistakes when DJ is perfect, which means... They needed to be perfect just to even be in the mix. Like you said, you know, at least JT 15 under par. And I don't know. I just think it's disappointing for, for JT because, look, I, I understand he hasn't been near the top of the leaderboard at the Masters. He's certainly improved over the years, but not certainly in the mix come Sunday. But he is a major champion. And this is someone who, again, sort of like DJ is a perennial staple on the PGA Tour. Like, he's a guy that consistently seems to win at least a tournament every single year. And since that 2017 PGA Championship win hasn't really been up to par at the majors, which makes, I think, this third-round performance today disappointing as well. Just couldn't, you know, muster up the shots to really put together a good round. Yeah, it's... uh... I, I'm personally, he was my pick at the beginning of the week. I really would have liked to have seen him stick around. It just, it was unforced error after unforced error. And I'm not, I have no, there's no reason for what was going on. On number 12, it was, couldn't get up and down. 14, he, he pulled like a nine iron over the left side of the green and then had a terrible chip that just not so uncharacteristic for him. And then on the, on the par 5 15th, he put his second shot over the back into the water. So just like, not even bad mistakes. They're just like so. They're just so uncharacteristic for him that it just obviously maybe he took a peek at the leaderboard, saw he was within a couple shots of, of DJ, and and that's all it takes. Uh, you can maybe start thinking a little too far ahead. So it's it's definitely frustrating. I'm sure JT's kicking himself pretty good right now, knowing that he's uh, what is he five six back going into the final. Yeah, round. six back. Insurmountable at this point when he could have had a really he, he would have been him and D, him and DJ in the final round would have been like a, the show that we really wanted to like cap 2020 off with but um, right now unless he comes out and goes birdie eagle birdie birdie or something it's just not it, it really doesn't look like it's going to take shape I'm sure JT isn't thinking about history but that's why I'm here because uh, in 2011 which was one of one of two times in the previous 10 years where a 54-hole leader had a four-shot lead. That 2011 Masters was when Rory McIlroy blew it with a four-shot lead. So I guess you could hope for a collapse, and I guess that's what those those guys are hoping for that are six and seven back, because even if they shoot under par, and even if they shoot a crazy round, like a 63 or 64, if DJ's playing like he is now, it's just, it's just impossible to catch. 
I did see that there might be a little bit more wind tomorrow at Augusta, which is maybe the only thing that's going to get in DJ's wind. Sorry, in DJ's way. Like if we saw what happened last year on number twelve, uh, those water balls are lurking out there. Um, it just, yeah, I, I personally don't see it. But again, DJ's been prone to collapsing um, in the past, and uh, it's never out of the question. I mean, Augusta has a. a history of uh you know taking it down when you're when your looks like you're cruising towards a green jacket it, it somehow finds a way to to come up and bite you so um if dj was already talking about sliding on the green jacket so maybe he's looking a little too far ahead already too so we'll see um it's 18 holes left but uh it might not be as exciting as we hope Three guys are tied for second now, Eric, like you mentioned earlier, Sanjay Im, Abraham Answer, and Cameron Smith. And of course, they don't have the major championship experience yet. I know that these guys are, you know, you know, are just relatively new on the PGA Tour. But do you think the fact that there are no fans or patrons, I should say, in, in attendance that those three guys could at least, you know, not get as distracted by the moment that there that it is a final round tomorrow at a major championship. I I I truthfully do. I think we saw it at the um, the PGH Championship with Morikawa, even even at the U.S. Open when Matthew Wolf played in the final pairing. Like these young first timers, um, answers never played in a major or at the Masters, and neither has Sungjae. So. Like two two debutants in the in the final group, or at least uh, in two of the final two pairings, is um, not what you expect at the Masters. So uh, perhaps they are looking at this moment maybe not as big as it might seem to them, um, being in November with no fans. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure when they step on the tee tomorrow for the their their first tee ball uh, next next to Dustin Johnson at uh, number one at, at Augusta, it's gonna it probably is gonna hit them, but. Um, it's probably helped them so far through three days, but we'll see how. Once they know really what's at stake, I think it's I think it's going to hit them. But um, yeah, I, they, there's definitely something to it. It's just how do you how do you quantify that? How do you? There's no really really knowing that. It's just it 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 could be a coincidence. It actually could be a factor. I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, it, I'm I'm interested to see. I think Sungjae has the best chance to make a run out of, of the group, but uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's a tall order. It's a, it's going to be an uphill battle. Absolutely, and and as uh, golf stats guru Justin Ray tweeted, I mean, Sanjay Im would be the youngest ever Masters champion born outside the United States, and, and I think it'd be significant for him certainly to win. I know people in Korea are going to be up early tomorrow, probably tuning into to, to the Masters, but I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, Eric, it's been you know an interesting week, and obviously, so lucky to have the Masters, but clearly. The 2020 Masters has made history just for the scoring, and and, and, it, and it is the lowest scoring average through three rounds in Masters history at 71.65. I know that the course has been soft and, it, and it's gotten a lot of rain, but do you like that it's like sort of gettable for the golfers, or would you have preferred more of a challenging test that often Augusta provides? Yeah, that's. I mean, they're they're playing the course that's presented them there was a heavy dump of rain wednesday and thursday so it's almost the conditions how hard they can really make it is taken out of the hands of the organizers so it is it's a, it is what it is at this point i mean uh augusta's not one to really trick up the course they they've been putting pins in pretty generous locations they could have put them in a lot tougher tougher spots i mean there's been 
a handful of those funnel pins that you see guys just land the ball like 10, 15 yards pass and it just starts rolling down and they have like a, a five footer for birdie. So they've been generous. Um, and I, I just, I don't mind it. I'm not one to, to, to get my you know, fist in the air about course setup or scoring conditions. It, it's, it's Augusta. We know it, we know to expect. Um, and I'm a little more sympathetic because they did have so much rain that uh, those first two days, like they were landing, they were landing three woods on, on some of those par fives and they were just hitting and sticking, which is not what we've come accustomed to, but um, it is what it is at this point. It's not, it's not like the U S open where we expect, you know, even par to win and we get all kind of riled up when someone's shooting like five or six under, but uh, the masters is what it is. It's uh, it can be scorable. There's four par fives, So it's a little bit easier that way. Um, but yeah, DJ is just putting on a, He's putting on a clinic. You can't you can't argue against it. Uh, the next closest guy, four back. So if DJ was thirteen, it might not be as much of a discussion about how easy it is. It just um, it's when one guy, you know, he's kind of torching the place. So you're you're gonna start talking a little bit more about it. Do you think? Because I mean, chances are we are gonna see a two a new seventy two hole record tomorrow if DJ does end up winning. Do you think that is the best? I mean, do you think? that if he does reach the 72 hole record that that would be the best masters performance that we've seen or do you think because it's november it doesn't have the same as let's say what jordan spieth did or even tiger woods did back in 1997 yeah i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't make it about the month i wouldn't say because it's november it's not the best masters performance of all time i just think um, relative to the field, it might, it's probably not the best. I don't have the numbers in front of me to, to say that, but I mean, Tiger's win in 97 was so dominant. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comparing it to that. Um, even, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm not going to go out and say because it's November, it's, it can't be considered one of the best. It's, it's clearly, uh, depending on what he does tomorrow, obviously it's, it's going to be, uh, we can make that conclusion then if he mm -hmm. goes out and shoots another six or seven under round and he's into the twenties, then, then there's the discussion for sure. But for now, I, I'm, it's up there. I'm not going to say it's the best, but I'm not going to say it doesn't count because it is November. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's certainly a fair point. I mean, obviously a lot to be determined tomorrow. I mean, it's crazy to think though, that when tiger won in 97, he won by 12 shots and four players were four under or better. Currently, as we head into tomorrow, there are 28 players that are four under or better. So it's an interesting sort of look back. Um, but but I do think that, I mean, a lot depends on what DJ does tomorrow. It's certainly a different game compared to 97. You can make a case that, that it's closer competition compared to 97. Obviously, 97 stands out for, for what it is, Tiger's first major win. But... I think if DJ were to win by a dominant margin more that you that you have to certainly include it into the conversation as one of the bat one of the best masters performances of all time. Yeah, no, I, I would I can get on board with that. Like uh if DJ does win by what's he four, if he wins by eight or nine, like that would be that would be truly remarkable given the amount of talent. Like you said, they're all playing Tiger was playing a completely different game in ninety seven. It was I mean, I don't remember it from personal experience, but looking back and reading and, and watching videos, he, he was just hitting it w way further than everyone else and just completely dominant and uh, just playing a completely different course. Whereas DJ, he's long, but I'm not going to say he's 
you know, lot much longer than Rom or, or JT. He wouldn't have that much of a leg up on those guys or even McElroy or Kepka. So it's very similar competitors. The left playing field and like the margin of victory now these days it seems so much narrower than um, what Tiger was facing in '97. So to have a runaway victory this week would be uh, definitely um, one for the one for the record books at, at the Masters here. This podcast has a, has a lot of Canadian listeners, Eric, and it's obviously great to see three Canadians making the cut. I know that Corey Connors had a fantastic round this, you know, today with a, you know a one under finish, and then of course Mike Weir sighting, which is quite remarkable to to see. Just comment on your thoughts seeing uh, you know all three Canadians, Connors, Nick Taylor, and, and Mike Weir, all making the cut here at the Masters this weekend. Yeah, there was a. For a moment there this morning, Weir was the, the focal point of the story because he had such a impact on what the cut was going to be. So we got some nice Mike Weir shots. Like to see him at two under in a, you know, again, back to that, the different the difference in, in today's game versus maybe 20 years ago. Weir, I don't know what his driving average is right now, but it can't be much past, you know, 260 yards, which is a completely different Augusta National compared to what the, the longer hitters are playing. So obviously he's found something um and Corey Connors I mean I think he shot he yeah, he, he shot the uh, the lowest six the, the lowest round in round two so 65 um and I believe Faldo kept talking about on the broadcast how the low round gets you a nice little crystal glass or yep. crystal vase or something so that'll be uh on Corey's mantle for the rest of his life which is pretty nice uh yeah he's I almost I didn't I wouldn't say I expected it but it's not um you know, it's not a surprise to see Corey Connors playing so well because he is such a world-class ball striker and he's uh, one of the better complete tee to green guys in the game. It's just the putter that typically lets him down. And for uh, for Nick Taylor, I think he made the cut right on the number and then got to play with Mike Weir in round three. <laughs> so it's probably been a thrill for his first major or first Masters. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get some quotes out of him you know, from, from the TSNs of the world where uh, he's just kind of raving about his, his first go around. It's definitely going to be a memorable, memorable one for him. No, absolutely. And for someone that's, you know, had, you know, you know, some, you know, time off with the, with the pause and whatnot, I know that he won earlier this year at Pebble Beach, but certainly nice to see him play so well. And of course, Mike Weir was playing well coming into this on the Champions Tour and certainly knows Augusta National quite well from winning back in 2003 Eric, I mean, if DJ does end up winning tomorrow, where does this win put him just amongst his peers? You know, I mean, I obviously he's a Hall of Fame golfer given his resume already, but do, do you think that if he does get the second major tomorrow that he's certainly one of the best players of this era? Yeah, I think even without it, he's probably already... Mm-hmm. There, him and McElroy, I would say, are you know neck and neck. Uh, Kepka's tried to throw his hat, hat into the ring, but he just doesn't really win enough outside of majors to to have that conversation. And you know, at Kepka at the uh, at the PGA Championship when he was looking at the leaderboard, he he wasn't too worried about DJ because he <laughs> said he only has one major. So this is going to be a a nice little uh, response to that comment. Um, I think DJ. I mean. 23 it'd be his 24th win second major that's I, th- I was going through it earlier just before we hopped on here i think there's only been like 30 maybe he might be the 30th player of like the 20 and 2 club so um and not many of those guys are alive anymore so it's uh it's pretty remarkable that the career he's he's put together he's 
I think he's won almost every year he's been on tour. So I, I would definitely say he's up there in terms of best player of his generation, right beside Roy McIlroy. And I, like generations kind of have blurred lines in between them, but I think you could argue those two have been playing in pretty much the same time frame since like 20, 2008 to, to now. So I, I think those two would be neck and neck. Last question for you, Eric, and I've been asking this of all my Masters uh, guests this week on the pod. If you were to make uh, your champion's dinner menu, what would it? Uh, what would be on it? Wow, that is... Uh, well, we know what would be on PJ's. It's going to be uh, sandwiches and more sandwiches. Because that's okay. What he loves most about the Masters. Um, for mine, I would probably... Ooh, you need an appetizer, a main, and a dessert? I mean, we give. I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but whatever floats your yeah, boat. No, if it's okay, so I'm gonna start with the dessert. If it's in the fall again, I'll go with a nice pumpkin pie. Okay. That's, uh, something I I enjoy during these months. I'd probably just go with like a, a typical prime rib dinner with like Yorkshire puddings. Keep it like mashed potatoes. Uh, a classic English dinner. Um, I think that's probably what I'd roll out. And appetizer, man. I don't even know where I'd go. Uh, bruschetta. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> nice, man. Pretty simple, but yeah, that's off the top of my head. I don't know. Do you have um? Do, do you have the coffee already brewed, ready for tomorrow? I, I know it's our second consecutive year of uh, early masters, so I mean, I guess the coffee and any breakfast uh, essentials. I was, uh, I was shocked when I saw the tea times. The leaders are going off at nine thirty a.m., which seems. I think the broadcast window ends at three, but I, I was expecting them to let the boys sleep in a little bit because it's been nothing but early morning so far. And, and we got split teas and threesome. So it's like a, a super condensed tea sheet again. It's just, yeah. I mean, my, this is back to back years. We've had uh, Monday or mornings at the masters. It's just, yeah. I kind of want to go back to the, uh, the old way they used to do it when the sun was setting. And that's when the guys get to crown a winner. But, um, 2021 hopefully we can go back to normal well here's hoping in april but uh i think the main reason tomorrow is because of the nfl and, and uh which always yeah, yeah. uh takes keen over uh any sports in uh, the united states but uh but anyway uh, yeah nine, go ahead 9 30 for the leaders is just Whew. i thought maybe like 11 30 maybe 11 but hey they'll be up and early tiger was uh did you hear tiger was up at 3:45 this morning getting ready so man he's he's probably in bed now getting ready for another early tea time tomorrow morning for uh for tiger and the aging back yeah no kidding i mean it was tough to to watch him but i mean good 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 that he was able to to, to power through which is uh certainly uh certainly inspiring well well listen eric patterson he is he's, he's a golf editor for the score uh, make sure to check out his work there. Eric, thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Hope to have you on again soon to chat more golf and enjoy the final round of the Masters. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. And uh, same to you. Enjoy enjoy Sunday. The last, hey, the next, the next major is also the Masters. So we have something to look forward to. Five months from now. So that'll be uh, quite the treat. Thanks so much, Eric. Appreciate it.